Welcome to the Doorway to Self podcast, a metaphysical container for all things mental health, all things human, and all things psychic. Because if you're human, you're psychic. Through the power of story, the gift of psychoeducation, and shared research of the human experience, we will delve into all things metaphysics to help bring to light the truth of your being. If you're on the journey home to your golden self, this is the podcast for you. Here we go. This is the Mental Health Revolution with Rachel Leah Gerson of Doorway to Self. Hello and welcome back to the Doorway to Self podcast. I am your host, Rachel Leah Gerson, and it is so wonderful to be here with another guest. Now, before we dive in here today, I just want to take a moment to issue a trigger warning. This guest and I are going to be talking specifically about sex and sexuality and a little bit about trauma and sexual assault and So if that is something that you believe is going to be triggering to you or might not be in your best interest to listen to, I encourage you to turn this podcast off and either return to it at a time where you feel you are in a safer mental space to listen to it or perhaps maybe not come back to it and that's okay. I'm so, 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 so invigorated and excited to invite Canon Doan here today. Canon, she, her, is local to Grand Rapids, Michigan. With a background in gender and sexuality studies, she utilizes the modalities of education, empowerment, and representation to bring voice to the gaps present in the vast universe that is sexuality and gender. Through her business, Cosmic Fluidity, Canon creates space for people to explore their natural cycles of expression, emotion, and identity and offers tools of connection to dive into acceptance and embrace of one's natural fluidity. Canon hosts sex trivia nights as well as various workshops to bridge the very dense and taboo gap within sexuality. She can usually be found dancing, talking about astrology, or standing in awe of the grand mysteries of the universe. Canon Thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Rachel. It is an honor to be here. Uh, I can't even express it. (laughs) I can feel it though, and I'm sure everybody else can too. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, this has really been kind of a long time coming and Mm. Um, I think I expressed to you on our phone call as we were preparing for this that I kept being like, okay, is Canon ready? Nope. Am I ready? Nope. Okay. Maybe, maybe we're both not ready yet. Okay. Nope. And then yes. there was this moment when you and your sister Maiden were doing this incredible conversation on Instagram live where you were talking about basically all of the things I read in your bio. Yes. And I was sitting there watching it the whole time going, yes, yes. yes. And then it was like, it's time. Mm-hmm. It's time. Absolutely. It's time. Absolutely. And I feel like that just speaks so much to attraction and just um, the opportunities that come when you step into yourself and stop playing small. And that was very much a moment. And 
yeah, I just, because it, it didn't feel right up until that point because I had no idea what I, where I was going or what kind of my path looked like, but it makes a lot of sense. And so it was in utter alignment that we are here now after I've kind of shed some skins and <laughs> stepped into my health even further. So yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just honestly, super in awe of you and honored to watch the process of you Mm -hmm. having shed those skins because like just being able to witness like the start of cosmic fluidity and it going kind of from like being this, you know, kind of like dabbling of, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to do astrology. I don't know if I want to do this thing. And how do I bridge this with my undergraduate degree in gender and sexuality studies? And you know, and now it's like, oh my God, like you're putting posts out there that I'm like, most people would be so scared Mm. to do this. And I know you're also scared to do this, but you're doing it. And that's the difference. Yes. Thank you. That I agree with that completely. And the more that I am diving into creating space for people and for myself specifically to talk about sexuality, the more that I'm realizing that there are a ton of walls around communication and even addressing sexuality that I have to, as just a facilitator of this space, have to break down first for people and help them to do so because people do not want to talk about it. (laughs) And um, I just, I guess, and I mean, you know this as well, being a Scorpio influenced (laughs) individual, I'm like, okay, but this is where so much potency rests and so many answers I think that we look for. And I'm like, you know, if they're silencing this, which is such a connector to our body and our power, like what else are they silencing? You know? So yeah. yeah. So it's been, it has been a journey and yeah, I went, I went into a deep cave towards the beginning of the winter and this has been my emergence. And I just was kind of like, it's time and this is what I want to do. And this is what I've known I've been needing to do now for a while. And, you know, I'm just, I'm ready to step into it and I'm ready to kind of say, fuck it. That's, I told you that <laughs> during my, our first call, like that just has kind of been my motto lately. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And obviously very double entendre punny in, in mm-hmm. that phrasing too. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I love that. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, let's normalize that. Like, let's like make it, you know, this playful space, but also, you know, there is a lot of seriousness and a lot of um, density around it, but it is just such a space of play. And so I'm really trying to bring that energy to the things in the spaces that I'm creating because um, it doesn't need to be something that we create so much more silence around. So Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like there's such a disconnect. You know, I've seen this come up within sessions with my own clients and just like in the world of spirituality in general, Mm -hmm. where there's this disconnect between like, oh, but sex is its own thing and spirituality is is its own thing. Mm -hmm. And like, like sex is not a spiritual thing unless you are, you know, doing it in a ceremonious way of some sort, or it's a part of a ritual or you're doing it for manifestation work or like it's, there's always like an end game to it of like, it has to be for something and incredibly intentional for like, and and I think all sex should be very intentional. That's just my view on it. But like, there's a difference between having it be like magically intentional and putting all of this pressure on it versus like 
it's it's also just like a part of like you said just being able to play Mm -hmm. and have a human existence exactly yes and I love that you brought that up because this like a lot of the conversation that I've seen around that is very similar and I was in spaces um that said that as well, that were actually really sex negative because it almost made, you know, having multiple sexual partners or engaging in sex with multiple sexual partners often, or, you know, even self-pleasure were all looked at as, um, I guess like naughty or, you know, not in alignment with what you should spiritually be doing sexually. And that, that narrative is really sex negative. And especially with how many barriers there already are on sex, it just, for it to continue into our spiritual practice just doesn't feel right. And it doesn't feel like Mm. it, how it should be within the freeing of all of these barriers, expectations, and truly the silence that has been put on sexuality. So I really like that you brought that up because that is what I've been seeing a lot of. And, you know, when we think of sex positivity, we understand that all consensual sex is good sex. And I mean, that's just, it's a natural part of being human. And so I don't, and so for set, for the spiritual community to be kind of um, cornering it in that way is just doing a great injustice. And quite frankly, is not also addressing the social injustice that comes with sexuality and gender identity. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been infuriating. And to be quite (laughs) honest, it's been the fuel that has been driving me forward because I couldn't stand it anymore. I just, there isn't enough space for this to be talked about um, in the people that are kind of leading these conversations. And unfortunately, these people are all coming from very similar backgrounds. And so I'm just like, I need to, I need to break that. It just is, I just had enough of it, quite frankly. So. And oh my gosh, thank you so much for doing that work because it's so, 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 so needed. Mm. Like, I don't think there can't be enough exclamation points after what I just said verbally. (laughs) I feel it for sure. (laughs) Um, yeah. So I'm curious, just because you brought this up, mm-hmm. when you say when you say that people who are kind of perpetuating the information that's out there are all of very similar backgrounds, like what does that background tend to look like as a template? And I'm not asking that question to like put people of this background down. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm or like pigeonhole people. I'm I'm feeling like there needs to be a lens, kind of like a light shown on this mm-hmm. so that people who are coming from that background can become more um, just acutely aware of where they're stepping in from. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. And, you know, I think that that comes with acknowledging just our identities and the experiences that those either allow or do not allow us to have. And so... From what my perspective, and I identify as queer, I identify as cisgender, meaning that I identify with the sex that I was assigned at birth. I'm white. Um, so those are just things on my end that provide me certain privilege that I am constantly trying to do work with and dismantle in my own work. But these the people that I often am, am seeing a lot of conversation, especially around the sexuality and this you know, the ceremonial sexuality, the spiritual sexuality that you were talking about are often 
straight, so heterosexual, white, and cisgender individuals. And so, you know, that creates a very specific privileged lens on sexuality because, of course, we live in a culture that is heteronormative, meaning that it, mm-hmm. it expects for everyone to be heterosexual until told otherwise. And that is so toxic and so demeaning to the universe that is sexuality as we understand it. And I've seen a lot of articles coming out asking like, you know, is are our generations becoming more queer? Are our generations becoming queer? And it is just so funny because they're not. Like it's just because of representation and we now have language and understanding that sexuality is fluid and so is gender. And so the the spaces unfortunately that are that are talking about sex and self-pleasure most often are still coming from a very heteronormative and very um just really toxic because also they're very monogamous driven. They're very they're very standard driven as far as we understand sexuality and they're very binary and we just can't, we got to get away from that. And, you know, you know, we, we talk a lot about the divine feminine, the divine masculine, and people often let that infiltrate their sexual practices as well. So the divine masculine, which is usually probably the cisgender man (laughs) is the one who's supposed to be penetrating. And then the divine feminine is the one that's supposed to be receiving. And so, but to think in that and to continue to perpetuate that language is just totally toxic and totally exclusive to who you are inviting then into spirituality, specifically in regards to sexuality. So it's just, Mm. I can't with it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. And and even the the language you use supposed to, right? Like that's so like that that's so driven that's so societally driven and and i love that you brought up these concepts of divine masculinity divine femininity as well because i feel like that's really really important and some that that's something i've been uh needing to educate people on a lot recently yeah. is this idea of divine masculinity and divine femininity are energies they are completely mutually exclusive mm-hmm. of somebody's gender identity yeah at all and so so like i was i was just saying this actually on the phone to i was on the phone with my best friend last night and she and i um both identify as queer in many mm-hmm. ways and um we so we were diving down the rabbit hole that you and i are <laughs> speaking about right now which i was like oh this is so funny yes. it's preparing me for tomorrow but I um i was i was explaining to her how i was really frustrated because i and i don't know if you saw this but there's this woman i've been going back and forth with on one of my posts that had absolutely nothing to do with the gender binary at all mm-hmm. but she she thought that it did because i used the word binary the word binary has nothing to do with gender no. it's just that we talk about the gender binary yes. and so it's it's become a red flag word for people when they see bi- binary which literally means dividing something into two different sides correct yeah um they they automatically begin to associate it with gender. So I've been going back and forth with this person and and bless them. They're, you know, on their learning journey, but 
I should say she, she is on her learning journey. Mm. Um, but she's very, very set and focused on how, um, non-binary and trans identities are harmful to, yes, yes, oh my god, (laughs) yeah. They are harmful. So I've I've gone back and forth for like ten comments with wow. this lady. Um, yeah, and and like ha- trying to help educate her. And one of the things she's been saying and trying to hammer home is how she has been able to integrate both masculine and or excuse me, divine masculine and divine feminine energies. Um, 50-50 within herself and that's how she's able to feel at peace with being a woman because she knows that she's able to embody both and if people would only be able to understand how healthy it is to be able to embody both energies and still connect with the sex organs you were born with that's where the real power is and I'm like oh Oh, honey. Like, I, I actually had to step away from it because oh, I got I, I got too charged. And I was like, I'm not – and I could feel feel the energy hooking me. And I was like, okay, wow. I need to just, like, focus on, on keeping my energy sovereign over here. And uh, and I'll come back to this later and respond. But the, the thing with that last comment that I, I'm really wanting to get at – I mean, there are many things. But one of the things – <laughs> One of the things is um, this idea that, you know, I I know I know a couple people actually in the spiritual community who are really incredible practitioners mm. who are trans, right. um, who are trans female to male and are incredibly feminine people. Mm. And they are transitioned. So when I say female to male, for people who are not familiar with that language, I'm talking about people who were born with female sex organs who decided or not decided that's horrible language mm. who yeah. who came to terms and understanding mm. that they are actually a male and so they have decided to transition into being a male yeah. and several of them are taking hormones or you know allowing facial hair to grow things like that mm-hmm. um one of them has actually had operative surgery to change sex organs and they have incredibly feminine energy mm. feminine and and divine, or excuse me, feminine and masculine energy, whether divine or toxic, has absolutely nothing to do with gender representation. No, no, it does not. <laughs> and that's, I feel like I love, I I have not read those comments, so, uh, but my blood's already boiling. So it's just like, yeah, you might not want to. <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't. Because unfortunately, that's not the first time I've heard something like that. Um, which Mm -hmm. is terrifying and really infuriating to me because how absolutely dismissing of someone's Mm -hmm. um, lived experience because, I mean, gender is a social construct and we know that. And I've been actually diving into, too, sex being a social construct as well. I'll kind of go into that in a second. But yeah, I want to hear more about that for sure. No, I definitely will. I definitely will uh, talk about that. But, you know how limiting us humans love to be in our uh, logic, I think, Mm. because this person that was commenting on your post is is saying that divine feminine and divine masculine energy is about physical representation, right? Mm. So that's what we get so held up on all the time is, well, feminine is... um, 
associated with these physical features and masculine is associated with these physical features and et cetera, et cetera. And this ripples out into our literal role in society and lack thereof. And Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot more feeling into the ways that this system that we've created has completely disempowered the body. Because when we think of this, just the body in general, each person has a different body. And I argue that every single person If we were living in a queered society, every single person would have a different sexuality and every single person would have a different gender. And because it's, it's based on the individual person that you are talking to, it's all a different mix of everything. And everybody has different sexual preferences. Everybody has a different amount of that feminine or masculine energy in them. But I, so I love going back to the concept and this understanding that these are energies. This is not full embodiment. And I think that we just think that you have to embody one or the other. And that is so limiting. And it is redesigning the hierarchy of power that we are currently living in. And I think that's just the thing that I get the most, I guess, just disappointed in is that this Mm -hmm. spiritual community that, you know, we're seeing really have a voice now and come to life more is still reinventing this wheel of power and privilege. And Hmm. it's just, it's disappointing because I feel like humans just continue to do that. And Mm -hmm. I think in regards to spirituality with the vastness that it has and the amount of potential that it holds to us to be connected to each other, um, what a grand injustice (laughs) that does Mm. to our community and to ourselves and to our ability to be human, just simply human at the end of the day. And so, yeah, yeah, I think that's just been the thing that I just really fuels me. And I know that can sometimes be really enraging and really disappointing, but I've decided that that is what will continue to fuel my passion for doing this work because there needs to be more conversations like that. There needs to be more understanding of how important language is. And so when people make comments like that, how, just how dismissive, like I I said before, how absolutely um, you're so powerful to be able to say that, but your power is coming from a very toxic and misunderstood space. Yeah. Um, Well, and and not only that too, but I mean, here's, here's the thing is that, you know, I, at first with this woman was getting so, I felt myself getting so plugged in Mm. and so aggravated and so, you know, social justice warrior. And I was like, I need to educate. And then when, when she left this last comment, and this is also part of why I've needed to sit with this Mm. before responding is because when she left this last comment, I found myself recognizing a past version of me in there. Oh, yes. I love that. And I found that like, and and this is where I feel like this is a really important message to share with anybody who is potentially listening to this and very, very triggered by this conversation Mm. or treating it very dismissively, right? Because I feel like a lot of people will approach conversations like this in a dismissive way of like, oh, oh my gosh, these people are talking about sex and gender again. Like, like, you know, um, and like, what, like, why can't they just choose one and get over with, you know, it's, it's, you know, whatever. But, um, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're feeling that way, um, 
I, I just I want to like self disclose here for a moment. I so I actually came out as gender fluid. Um, I, I identify as a gender fluid woman, and I started identifying that way last May after a very intensive ceremony where mm. I came out on the other side, just completely awakened mm. to my fluidity. Yes. But before that moment in time, I was very much viewing the world through the lens of this woman. And I remember working, not working with clients, thankfully, because that would have been highly unethical. Mm. Um, and she is working with clients. Oh, wow. I know, I know, I know. We could go down a whole other six rabbit holes with that yeah. one. But, um, you know, I like, thankfully, I wasn't working with clients at that point on a one-on-one -on -one capacity, but I was working with people in workshops mm. who would show up. And I, you know, I have to admit this here because we, we all have our blind spots as practitioners. Yes. Um, I, I was working with a couple people in, in a workshop and I remember like they, I remember them identifying as gender non-binary mm -hmm. using they, them or easier pronouns. Nice. Um, and I remember looking at them and being like, oh, you're confused. Oh, or like, or like even when I was in college and like had a couple of friends, sorry, friends mm -hmm. who, you know, came out as gender fluid or bi-gendered or non-binary. And I remember being like, oh, they're just trying to get attention or ah. they're just confused or they don't understand who they are. And so they're searching for themselves and they'll eventually figure out whether they're fully trans. Listen to this wording, fully trans or oh, not. Wow. Um, Rachel. I know. I know. But like this is but this is all systemic. Exactly. This is all exactly. systemic. And I think not only is it systemic, it's also um it's also like what I've come to understand is it's humans are humans are scared when they don't have any boxes. Yes. Oh, I love and that. I, love I did a whole episode on this actually. Like one of the first episodes, because it was it was when the whole um George Floyd thing happened mm -hmm. uh back in June. And I did a whole episode on intersectionality and the importance of understanding all of our identities and where they intersect yeah. and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And and you know this is a thing like when we don't know where we fit. Yep. And when but like the thing is when we start looking at it as like, we don't need to fit. Like we already, we already fit. We're already like, we're already here. Like what, did, like what, what do we need to quote fit? Like there's nothing to fit. We just, we just need to write like, like if we can just accept that maybe we're, like you said, we're just human. We're just here yes. and we're writing this experience it suddenly becomes that much more expansive and freeing to be like, you know what? Yeah, I kind of feel like I have a dick today and that's okay. Mm. Like, and I might never feel that way ever again in my life or tomorrow I might wake up and want surgery. Mm -hmm. Like I never, and, and, and like, I'm just using that as an example. I'm not speaking specifically for myself, but like, you know, and we're, we're allowed to have that fluidity and we're allowed to, to just be and just allow ourselves to be and not have to figure ourselves out all of the time, right. which is such a toxic element of spirituality in the spiritual community right now. Yes. Two is there's this constant need to figure it all out instead of just being. Yes. Yes. Wow. Yes. 
Wow, that gave me chills. And just, I mean, I really appreciate that disclosure and that honesty and that transparency because we've all been there, right? And Mm -hmm. that is the, that is the system. We are agents of the system before we are agents of change. I mean, Mm -hmm. that just is how it goes because, but I love what you, I love how you put that. And we do love boxes. We love that categorizing. We love that right and wrong. We love that understanding because it gives us power. And Mm -hmm or not, um, depending, but often from the standpoint that you come from of privilege, it gives you that power to say that's wrong or that's right. And actually in my sex trivia, I, uh, asked a trick question actually, which, um, was what does the Q stand for in LGBTQIA plus, which is often, uh, referred to as alphabet soup, but my options included queer and questioning. And my answer will always be queer because that is, of course, an identity that many people, including both of us, utilize as a term of identity, whether that be our gender, whether that be our sexuality, et cetera. And I don't like, I people were like, I thought that it also stood for questioning, but I really don't like that language at all because it it just feeding back to your, the story that you shared and the experience that you shared, it gives this, this idea that it's like this in between, right? That we need to be over here or we need to be over here. But until then we're just in question of ourselves. When I'm going to tell you that people that identify as non-binary, trans, gender, queer, often have that understanding from a very, very young age before Mm -hmm. barriers and these systemic oppressions are placed on their gender and sexuality identities. And so, and I think that that also, I mean, if we're going to do inner child work and we're going to actually honor the inner child, like that's a really big thing to do and to incorporate is your understanding of gender and your understanding of sexuality and the limitations around those things, because you're doing your your inner child a great disservice by not allowing them the play and the freedom that should have been there when, when we were young. And so, um, yes. and that goes back to this, what I had mentioned before my, my, uh, diving into sex as a, um, social construct, because that is still something that we've come to understand as male or female. Right. But when we do that, we are missing a huge population of people who were born intersex and experienced mm-hmm. an intensely traumatic and absolutely oppressive existence from the minute that they are born. And so, you know, when we have this understanding, because intersex people can either be people who are born with quote unquote ambiguous, gross, but that's the terminology that they use. <laughs> ambiguous genitalia. They can be born with both testy and ovary tissue, or they can be born with XX and XY chromosomes. So it can be either all of those things are present or one of those things are present. But when we see that and understand that, that allows for an understanding that sex is also this system that we've created and constructed of binary. And that those people existing in that community of people being real, literally completely negates that fact. And I've been doing a lot more research on that because 
the intersex experience is one that is so medically and then systematically traumatic that um, I think that, you know, we don't consider that. And again, that goes back to the body and the traumas and the understandings of what is okay and what is not, what is acceptable and what is not, and how the body then holds on to that and how the body manifests that. And um, yeah, I just, I just have such a hard time with people putting limitations on um, just gender and sexuality because it's just, when you understand the, and I mean, my brain can truly not even understand, and I've been studying this so for a while now, but just, it is a universe. Both are mm-hmm. the universe that we are existing in, and um, we need to understand that limitations have been intentionally put on those for a reason, so... Yeah, absolutely. And and again, it all goes back to the comfort. Yes. You know, the, the comfort of of like we do not like as humans as a general rule, mm-hmm. we do not like there being a middle. We don't mm-hmm. like it. Until we can come to this place of complete surrender and not needing to control everything yes. and not needing to know everything and not needing to fit everything. Yes. And then then we can become truly fluid and cosmic being yes. from that place. Absolutely. Because the middle is so, it's so, um, oh, there's so many words that you could use to describe mm-hmm. it. It's such a space of like creation and it's such a mm-hmm. of truly uh, it's unbound. And so, um, because it's not being pulled by one end and then pulled by the other, it's just this space of, of, and is the, and so, yeah, I love that. And I think that people, you know, if we want to talk about shadow work and these Mm -hmm. (laughs) triggers or activations that we feel, um, you know, when people get really intensely offended or activated by these, you know, those are some shadows that you need to to address. And, you know, that could just very well be it's it, the thing is, is that it's not your fault. <laughs> it's really not. I mean, if you continue to perpetuate it while having the knowledge that these experiences and people and identities exist, then that is your fault. But we also don't know what we don't know. And yeah, these, these concepts have been very hidden from us for very intentional reasons. And it's because they are spaces of freedom and they're spaces of expression and spaces of vitality. And they didn't, they, I always refer as they, but I mean, the system doesn't want us to, to have access to the language to understand that and have a Yes. So. Absolutely. Because us being free means that the system then loses a lot of its ability to control as well. Absolutely. And I, I mean, when you look at everything, I mean, really everything is, because it's so funny because like living in Western culture, everything is sexualized, but we don't talk about sex. Yes. Yeah. It's just like the worst because then we have this internalized um, sexual repression and we have no language or understanding to talk about it or to, you know, embrace it in ourselves. And I've talked to a lot of people who, I mean, and I feel like this is where most stories start, especially in regards to talking about sexuality, but I grew up in a Christian home or I grew up in a religious home um, and people who explored self-pleasure at a very young age, even though I don't think there's, I don't, I think that age is another thing that is really oppressive in, in regards to sexuality, but 
um, you know, explored self-pleasure from a very young age and didn't understand what was going on. But I mean, they knew what felt good and, you know, it's connecting to your body. But then having to unpack all of this shame and guilt that were then built up in them doing this. And so, you know, and I know so many people share that experience and have that experience, but there is just, there's so many gaps uh, present in the accurate representation of, of these experiences and of this reality that people have been living in since the beginning of time. Like queerness has been around forever. So it's not just that it's coming to, to light now because we have people that are actually stepping out and being like, this is me and this is my lived experience. Like this has always been around. So yes, absolutely. 100%. And I love, I love too, that you brought up this idea of it's, it's everywhere we look and, and literally what it has become is this societal shadow that we're constantly walking through Mm -hmm. that has not like, I think the light has finally been shown on it. Yeah. Finally. Um, but it's interesting (laughs) because like here, like you are, and and so many, so 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 many of my clients come from a similar background too, of mm-hmm. um, of growing up in a very repressive religious, wh- whether that's Christian or some other religion, yep. very rep- sexually repressed household, yeah. um, and then you know walking this journey. If if we like, but we can look at the opposite end of the spectrum. I grew up in a very sexually educational household. Mm-hmm. Like I was really, really lucky to grow up in that environment. Yes. And at the same time, like I still dealt and still am dealing with mm-hmm. unpacking so much of the ways in which I engaged in sex, yeah. the way in which I you know, in the way, yeah, just, just my entire thought process around what is sex? What does sex mean to me? And then of course, like that's just sex. That's not even getting into sexuality or gender or, you know, any of those things. And, um, so I, I really think that like, it doesn't like, it matters, it matters how you grew up and it matters what you were taught, Mm -hmm. but ultimately this societal shadow is so big and so immersive and so ingrained like a like a dark nasty goo that's yes. just streaming through all of our veins it's like mm-hmm. can we please just break free of this and and like just be yes <laughs> oh my god I love that that is so oh wow that's a, a beautiful analogy and so true because you know and I love that you shared that you know you grew up in a really sex positive household because I have friends that also did but still you know there are still those shadows and it just shows though how impactful and how powerful that that messaging from all of these things that we're still interacting with, even when we're, we are outside of our very, you know, positive households and maybe very like communicative, very open households, that still weighs in so hard. And, you know, peer to peer communication and understanding and the politics that comes with, you know, mm-hmm. when you're becoming sexually active and your sexual debut and the complete misunderstanding that most young people have of what those scenarios should and can look like. It's just, it is that, wow, that the goo, like that dark goo is so real. And truly, I think just infiltrates, even even if we have like this shield of like 
sex positivity, I have an understanding, everything like that, it's still like when you're interacting with day-to-day society and you're seeing the shit that's on TV and you're seeing the things mm. that are are also not, and you're seeing, you know, how, um, I mean, everybody, if, I mean, not to go into this rabbit hole, but just porn. I mean, porn is yes. a whole other thing. And, you know, this is still putting us and putting a certain idea of what sexuality and a sexual encounter yes. looks like. And it is so wrong and so gendered and so in the binary and um, so very over-sexualized as well. And yeah, yeah. And so it's just, it's just like, where do I, where do I go? Like, where do I fit? Where do I not? What's normal? What's not? And, you know, it's amazing to me that as I've been holding these sex trivias, I've been getting a kind of taking the pulse on where people are at. And I will tell you that Um, and I did a post about this, but what the clitoris actually looks like. And people were like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, yeah, this is like real. And nobody knew it. And we're all adult people and we should have been known this. And so, yeah, it's just like, you know, as I'm peeling back the layers of all of these messages and all of these, um, dark, like hidden darknesses that rest in the lack of education and accurate representation of sexuality, the more I'm just like, wow, this is mm. deep work for every person, each individual. Yes. Different. Yes, absolutely. And, and especially I think what you just spoke to, I really want to, I really, I'm, I, we need to go down this rabbit hole. I feel like also that phrasing is just really funny for this conversation, <laughs> totally. but um, we have to have fun with this conversation. Yes. Um, yes. But, um, like that, like that's, that's where a lot of my personal sexual trauma comes from is like, did I live in a sex positive, positive household? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But also sex was very sexualized Oh, and and not only in my household, but also like I, I was born and raised in LA, like (laughs) like that, like that in and of itself, like, like, it's just like children are like, I learned about sex and porn and all sorts of stuff at like eight years old. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. And, and like not in a healthy way and not from my parents. It was, it was in school. And I remember like literally talking about it in our lunch hour and our second grade teacher just being completely oblivious and tuning out while, you know, Danielle over in the corner was talking about the great porn that she found on her dad's computer the night before. Holy hell. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And that was in, you know, the early 2000s. So just imagine like all of these kids now who, I mean, that was the early 2000s in LA. Like I tell that to other people who lived in, you know, Wisconsin or whatever. And they're like, what? You grew up doing what? But you talk to kids now, it's like they have access, y'all. Like they've got iPads and iPhones and their parents' computers and their parents are like tuning out on their phones all the time. So like who's paying attention to the kids? Exactly. And like- and then at the same time, to continue to perpetuate it, nobody is educating their children or talking about that stuff. No, and no one's communicating about it. No one is having com- uh, effective communication about this because I'm sure that if, you know, if you would have been that eight-year-old self and would have been like, oh my God, parents, these kids were talking about porn today. Can we talk about it? And like, you know, but- but parents also are like, I don't know the fuck to talk about this. Like, I didn't learn about this shit. We don't talk about this. Like, 
you know, it's just all taboo and so much of it is mm -hmm. taboo, but I can actually share in that experience that I was eight when I saw porn for the first time and it was at my friend's mm -hmm. house and I was terrified. I was <laughs> scared and it actually kind of scarred me because I thought, oh my God, that's what I have to do. Like, I don't want to do that. Oh, yeah. I didn't talk to anybody about it. And mom and dad, sorry if you're listening to this, but I didn't know. And or like, I <laughs> talked about it really openly, but it was really impactful on my understanding of what was going to go down in that space. And I was like, mm. I don't want to do that. That's not something that's appealing to me. But um, yeah, I mean, how much, especially when you're a young adult, especially if you are a young male, if you identify as a man, um, the hypersexualization that is yeah. felt is equally as toxic as the hyposexualization that um, that women face. So, um, because there are these standards, then and they're very aggressive, they're very violent. And um, you know, I was not uh, I was nineteen when I when I found out what the difference between consent and coercion was. And mm. you know, that's like, these are, these are, this is real language that young people need to have access to because um, coercion is alive and well in not only adult spaces, but very much in young adult spaces. And I- So Canon, I would love for you to actually define that for people who are listening as well yeah. so that, you know, I just, I don't know, there's something, there's something in me that's like somebody <laughs> or actually several people who are listening to this need to know what this is yeah. because I think again, like this is another place where we see a binary here yes. of like there is consensual sex and then there's assault and rape yes. and like this, this in this middle ground of co coercion is never talked about no. ever. So I think you, yeah, if you would define that for us, yes. that would be fantastic. Absolutely. And yeah, thank you. Cause I think that that, yeah, I think that we hear the word coercion, but we don't actually have a good understanding of, of what it is. But consent of course is I agree fully with all of my being to have this interaction. It can change at any point. It can be altered at any point. What I'm consenting to can be altered at any point, but I am giving my permission and my want, essentially, desire to engage in this activity. Usually it is referred to at within sexual activities. Um, but again, if that changes at any point and is not respected, that is a violation of that person's consent, which is considered sexual assault. So I just want to put that out there as well. Co coercion can look like guilting somebody into having sex and that can be emotionally it's it's usually i mean obviously this is a play on emotions but um it can be guilt it can be shaming it can be threatening it can be um like tricking it can be all of these things but it is this manipulation of emotions and it can also and out or energy or energy yes wow absolutely absolutely and i i can share my own experience um on this because i I didn't use the term sexual assault for my assault until I was in my twenties, but I, um, was assaulted. I was in a relationship with somebody and I did not know that you could be assaulted when you're in a relationship with somebody because mm -hmm. I didn't have the communication nor the language nor the space to have that. Um, but it, it often also included alcohol. It often included emotional manipulation and, mm -hmm. 
this happened for a long time. And so that was real, but I didn't have the understanding that that's what it was until much later in my life. And so now I'm, I'm really, I really have honed in on like, we need to have the language and then the definition to understand these things because unfortunately that's probably the lived experience of many people who would also not identify it as that. And um, if you are not enthusiastically wanting to engage in something, but yet don't have the space to say and have your no respected, then that is an assaulting situation and that is unsafe and not okay. And so I just want to make sure that people listening know that. And this is a, a huge, huge shadow in um, just, I think, sexual assault and also representation of because, I mean, 91% of sexual assaults happen with, like to somebody that that person knows. Yeah. So that's huge. And, you know, we often think it's, it looks a lot different than that, but it doesn't. So. Canon, thank you so, 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 so much for being vulnerable and, and for sharing your story, because I think that also helps to normal or not normalize that that would be terrible, but to like, um, you know, give, give permission to others to share their stories as well, which is, I mean, the only way that we can nip this shadow in the bud is to be able to, to talk about it. And so I just, I really want to, and I know this isn't the first time you've shared this story publicly either. So I just want to thank you so much for, for sharing that, um, and for helping to educate because it really does shine a light. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly, like I'm going to just follow suit here and be really vulnerable as well. I, I think the education that you just gave is just as important, mm. if not more important, for people who have coerced others yes. into sex to hear. And I am speaking as somebody who was on that end mm. multiple, multiple times, mm. multiple, multiple times through my teenage years. So and and I thought it was okay because guess what we see yes. in the media and in porn and in everyday conversations, we are taught about these toxic ways to engage in sex of like, oh, you know, if the person doesn't want it, that makes it better mm-hmm. or it makes it hotter or it makes it sexier. Or if you can convince somebody to be sexual with you, then you're somehow more powerful or hotter or more desired or, you know, whatever. And I lived all of those tropes, baby. Mm, Wow. Yes. And I will openly apologize to anybody who I put in that situation. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing though, Rachel. I mean, really, truly amazing. And I really healing also for me to hear, like, it gives me a lot of hope because I, I really appreciate that because I often think like, you know, we all are unfortunately, um, we are all affected negatively by the lack of this being talked about. And whether that be that we are at the, you know, on the receiving end or the ones doing it, we are all affected by this negatively. And it is still because of these systematic things. And so that's really it gives me hope because I just, I think often in my own shadow work, I, I don't want 
those, I don't feel like karma has served those, those people well or um, has created justice. And, um, but it's important for me to realize and for this to be talked about that, you know, there is, there's gaps within their understanding and what they also are fed and what they yes. are expected to be, um, what all of us are expected to be. And like, you know, that is, that happens because of what we see and what we internalize. And that is just a part of our journey. And, but I really, I do really appreciate you sharing that. So thank you. That was really impactful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. I think it it, like, honestly, something is, I'll never forget. There was a really, really powerful moment. I loved my sex education teacher. She was just so wonderful. And I'll, I'll never forget being in my ninth grade science room and she's teaching us about consent. Mm. And it was, um, maybe a couple of years after, um, super bad, the movie super bad came out. Totally. Yeah. And she was using that as a way to relate to us because she figured all of us had seen it. The irony was I was not allowed to see it because, (laughs) you know, here I was, I wasn't allowed to see it, but I was being sexually active. So, I mean, here, you know, there's that, but, um, you know, like she was using this example, which I thought was so powerful to teach us about how, um, how, you know, when somebody is under the influence of alcohol, Mm -hmm. it doesn't. Um, it's not consent. And, yes. and like the messaging in that movie is mm. so, so powerful because they show this juxtaposition of like, you know, um, like here you are um, trying to get this girl drunk. Like the whole premise is like, I need to get this girl boozed up so that she'll have sex with me. Mm. And, and then the girl doesn't even drink, like she doesn't even get drunk, you know? Cause she's like, I, if I want to do this, I want to do it consensually. And like the power in that was so big because I think it really shed this, this huge light on a lot of the messaging that we are taught of like, we have to, again, here's this coercion piece. We have to um, manipulate people into having sex with us because otherwise they won't do it, which all around comes back to a self-worth thing. Yes. And we're literally taught that we're not worthy of having sex. Like we are not worthy. Nobody's going to view us as sexually attractive or sexually worthy. Unless we do something to alter them in the situation. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. I, you know, that actually brings about like, I mean, cause that just is like, I mean, if we're going to talk about young adults and like the high school experience, like that just is like so ingrained in that. And, you know, I started having sex when I was under the influence and it actually took me a long time to get out of doing that. Um, Mm. I felt like I couldn't let my guard down enough until I, like I was under the influence of something, but I mean, how many people do that and how many people is that normalized by, but then how much damage and, or how much pain and unconsensual activity is happening because of that. But I do, you know, I haven't actually seen super bad. I've heard of it and obviously heard a lot of references to it, but I do like that because that also really switches the narrative of what we often hear when it comes to sexual assault and sexual coercion. Um, I will never forget. I was at a training with my mom who was a um, sexual assault. Like uh, she like responded to them and uh, like, mm. it happened. Um, Cause my, my dad's in the military or was in the military and 
we lived on base and all these things. But um, I was at a training and this, we were talking about an instance of like a woman being sexually assaulted and a woman in the crowd raised her hand and asked, you know, well, well, what was she wearing? Like, was she in her active? Oh my God. I know. And I literally turned to my mom and I was like, I have to leave. Like I can't, but it's often like that. It's often that the people who are most, um, you know, like we obviously see that reportedly women are often more sexually assaulted than men are again, reportedly, because this does happen to men. It's just uh, this whole thing with men not wanting to come forward because of mm-hmm. the stigma that is around it. But um, often it's like that. And in that moment I saw, wow, like I thought that I knew who maybe the enemy quote unquote in this scenario was, but this is the perpetual language that yes. and understanding that we use. And, um, just how toxic is that when we want to build community in these spaces, but we are literally demeaning someone who may have very similar shared experiences as we do, but we just, that woman obviously just did not have uh, the want to, or the empathy maybe to even understand the situation that we were talking about, or even just didn't have the lived experience or the understanding of that lived experience to empathize. And so that really spoke volumes to me. And I talk about that a lot because, um, that is often just a space that I feel like we are blinded to because, um, you know, and I don't want to use the term enemy, but, um, the people that are maybe perpetuating this narrative are, are people that we don't sometimes expect. So I was really taken aback, but, um, yeah, it just kind of put things into perspective for me for sure. So, well, you know, and what's really interesting too is because I don't like boxes. <laughs> I've come, I've come to dislike boxes. Yeah. I also am am looking at this from the lens of we really truly don't know her story at all, and exactly. it's possible mm-hmm. that she does have this lived experience, and she was fed the language over and over again of yes. you shouldn't have been wearing X Y Z, and this is why this happened to you. Yes, totally. And- so it was her way of being like, oh, so like, obvi- like obviously, you know, if she's in the same situation. She had to be wearing something like what I was wearing. Yes, 100%. I like that. I like that you said that because I think often, especially in, in what we are talking about and just the vastness that it holds, it's often projecting of either misunderstanding or lived experience or internalized misunderstanding and lack of education that we are just constantly being projected on like like the woman that was commenting on your posts like that could very well just be a projection of something that is a hot spot for her and kind of trains her a little bit and but there that could very well just be fed into what her lived experience is and this I wanted to actually talk about too um when I posted I made this post a while ago but I made the statement, we need to stop gendering menstruation. Mm. I did not get a lot of good feedback. I got some because people are confused by that. What was that? People are very, people are very confused by that. Yes. Idea. And, and I'd love for you to, since you brought it up, if you would just explain that, because a lot of people need the definition of what you mean by that, I'm sure. Yeah. So if you would explain that, because it is also very important. And I'm already feeling eye rolls coming from certain people who are listening to this conversation. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask if you're listening 
please, please, please remember the boxes that you are currently living in. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage you to try and hear what Canon is about to say from an open mind and from a place of expansion mm. and moving out of the box. So Canon. Yes. Canon. Thank you. <laughs> I have that introduction in like all the things I talk about. <laughs> I'll just cue that like for everything. Um. <laughs> you can just like clip it from the recording no. and, and use it as your introduction. Like, don't forget what Rachel said, everyone. Don't forget. <laughs> I love that. Um, so If we understand, okay, well, I first should start with sex and gender are different things. Sex is biological and anatomical, right? So we've assigned certain sex or certain body parts, certain chromosomes, certain, et cetera, to be assigned to a certain sex. And so sex is male and female. That's the language that you use when you're talking about sex or intersex, like or intersex. Yeah. (laughs) Before. Yes. Um, and so that is, that is in that separate category. Gender is what your gender identity, gender expression. Those are also different, but gender is the way in which you perform your gender in the world, how you express yourself within terms of gender. And that can, that is very fluid for some people, for other people, it's very woman or man, which again, those are more gender terms, but trans man, trans woman, non-binary, these are all gender identities. And so your sex does not inform your gender. I'm going to say it again, even this is going to be, it could be a lot to unpack for some people, but this is important. Your sex does not inform your gender. Society would like us to believe that it does, which is why we live in a very transphobic, heteronormative world, but it doesn't. So your sex can look very different, obviously, than what your gender is. Um, And your gender can look very different than what your sex is. They don't inform each other and they are different. And so when I made the statement that we need to stop gendering menstruation, it was many cis women who came to me and said, I don't understand this. You need to explain this. I'm really not understanding. But it is this understanding that we think that cis women are the only ones who menstruate and they are not. So by us thinking that and then and thus creating language in regards to that expectation, we are gendering menstruation and we should not because non-binary individuals menstruate. Mm-hmm. trans men and trans women could also menstruate. And so we need to, we need to understand that also, I just want to say too, that the womb is an energetic space. And regardless of what body mm-hmm. you have, you have a womb space, you have a sacral chakra. And so, and this space of creation and sexuality and etc. And so Again, when we put these barriers on the body, it becomes very mucky territory where we then put these expectations. And that's what a lot of people, when they were asking me about it, that's what they were addressing, that they obviously had a limited understanding of what sex and what gender and thus what activities or happenings and occurrences like menstruation mean. And I wanted to bring this up because this is huge in the spiritual community, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And we, 
we gender it and we are like, you know, it's, it's my, it's my womanly time. It's this time that I connect to my divine feminine and my, the ability that I have to birth every, like, et cetera. And that's still really exclusive language because there are still people in this world who I do not identify as being a woman who menstruate. And so it can become very exclusive when we use language like that, that is very gendered specifically to the body. And we don't invite this understanding that you might, you menstruate because you menstruate and it maybe doesn't have anything to do with your gender. And it is, it can be a really beautiful reclamation for people who have maybe suppressed a relationship with their menstruation, but we do a great disservice when we do not include all of the bodies and all of the identities yes. that do menstruate. So there. Thank you so much for sharing that, Canon. And and also, like, I do want to, I do want to just like, like pinpoint what you said about like it. It's a connection to the divine feminine. Like mm-hmm. again, that's an energy, and like there can be somebody who is, like, let's say for instance, who's a female. Um, who identifies as trans male or non-binary, who is still able to connect with the divine feminine energy during a time of menstruation, because guess what? They're allowed to identify as non-binary or male and menstruate and connect with the divine feminine because it has nothing to do with anything. Um, I, I can just like really, just a really powerful, really powerful moment for me um, in regards to all of this was last, this last August, I started a course with, um, Astara Sole of, um, Akashic Trans Work. If you're not familiar with her, she's incredible. Amazing. Um, what? I said amazing. <laughs> yeah. She is just a wonderful human and she did this incredible course. I think she's offering it again soon on, um, the magic of menstrual blood, which is a whole other episode in and of itself. I'm not ready to go there yet with y'all, but as soon as I, I firm up more of my relationship there, I, mm-hmm. I'm sure I will dive into that. But um, something that was really healing, it was, it was a group course. And so there were like, I don't know, probably 10, 15 women uh, in this space. Um, and when I say women, I mean, I, like I'm including non-binary folk in there as well. Women with an X, a lot of the time, if you've seen like W O M X N that's including of non-binary people and trans male to females. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I remember like we were doing our introductions and then we did like a second session or whatever. I was kind of like feeling things out because I had, I had like very newly come out um, as gender fluid at that point. And mm. there was something in the conversation that um, triggered me to speak about it. And I remember like Astara was just so welcoming in that instance and mm-hmm. like literally said everything you just said. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> And then like four or five other women who were on the call were also like, hey, you know what? Thank you for saying this because like also we've been like and using this word, we've been kind of questioning our gender or we've been but like but like also still wanted to really connect to our menstrual blood into this magical time and like really take advantage of the fact that we're in these 
female organed vessels and, um, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah, dude, like there's so much magic in that. Are you kidding me? Like if you identify as a male and you're able to bleed every month still, like there's so much of a middle magic space that can be accessed through that. That's unreal. I love that. And talk about breaking the binary and like breaking the system in half. That does it like completely. And spaces like that where people can, you know, vocalize that experience and vocalize that this is how I identify, but I also, you know, bleed or blah, et cetera. That's huge. And I love, but, you know, I want to speak to the fact that you brought it up and created space for it because those people probably would have not Mm -hmm. done that or like been as celebratory or I guess coming forth with that identity that they held. If you wouldn't have created that space to be with. And so I really, I want to celebrate that for a second because I feel like as people that I I just, it's huge because those people then didn't feel like they were in self-protection mode. Mm They didn't have to feel like they were, you know, being silenced or their experience was being silenced and you brought voice to it. And I think that as facilitators in any, in any space that we are, when we can do that and create space, not only for maybe our own experience for, for, but also for experiences that are not there and identities that are not there. That is really huge. And really, I mean, talk about intersectionality, talk about, you know, solidarity, inclusivity, like that is where it happens. And it is literally just bringing voice to the fact that these are real human lives and real Mm. bodies and real human bodies, most importantly. And so, Um, I really love that you did that. That's really huge. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And uh, I mean, you know, also kind of like a completely unintentional shameless plug too for you that hey guys if y'all want to work with a very inclusive facilitator (laughs) for you (laughs) yeah and I mean I think too like you know as I've been diving into this more and um, just doing my own work on it too, like we always need to be learning. Like, and that's what I think I just really value about this space of, you know, queerness and this space of understanding what queer theory and how it relates to sexuality and gender and just identity in general is that it's constantly flowing. It's constantly expanding Mm -hmm. and it is constantly being constructed as we continue to construct a more just and fair and truthful society. And so, yeah, I just am always like, I'm always learning more. And I'm actually, um, I'm going to soon do a a sit down and an Instagram live with some, with a sex educator who focuses on disability and sexuality and people who have disability and sexual, like, and in terms of sexuality, because talk about injustice, like talk about yeah. like silence. And so I just, fetishization. yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I just, this is just, there's so much to learn around this. And I think that oftentimes people don't want to talk about it because it can be overwhelming. It can be like, well, where the fuck do I start? Um, mm-hmm. But it is something that you are going to be a lifetime learner in this. And it's not only in regards to like what the language and maybe what the societal understanding is around it, but what your connection to these things, these worlds look like. So just had to say that too. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, well, Canon, do you have any other, like, if, if you have a, I don't know if you have a date scheduled for that, but also if you have any other upcoming events or anything like that, that you want to share with us, I feel like now is a kind of a good segue transition to do that. Yes, definitely. Um, that one, I don't know when this will air, but, uh, the Instagram live I'll be doing with, um, her Instagram name is accessible sex ed. Um, but it's Emily with accessible sex ed, and I'll be doing that on Friday, um, March 12th. Um, but there will be more talks and that will be up. So you can check it out on my Instagram. And then my next sex trivia is on the 14th of March at 6 PM. And those are by, or, um, yeah, bi-weekly. So they happen often. They will be happening always. And I will say just a shameless plug, like Rachel said, um, that intense and beautiful, either intimate time with your partner or yourself and also beautiful orgasms may or may not be promised as a result of going to sex trivia. So <laughs> I had to say one, a disclaimer. <laughs> one of the participants shared her experience afterwards and was like, you need to use this as like for people to come. And she was like, I just had wicked sex. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly what I wanted. So <laughs> I love that. Yes. So, amazing. Yes. How amazing that like that what you're I mean, literally, you lived purpose in that exact moment by mm. being able to, um, you know, by bringing being able to just present yeah. the information that this human needed in order to be able to expand their self, their sex life in that way. Absolutely, yeah. And I, it, it changes every week because I've hosted now two, and the first one was really fun, really um, exploratory, but the last one I did was a little bit more dense and kind of um, illuminating the different shadows that are in uh, sexuality and the law, sexuality and like state to state and things like that. And um, I mean, the participants were like, learning is hard, but it's really necessary. And I I felt really good about that because it will just, it will kind of change and be really fluid on if it's, you know, more of a fun, playful space, or if this is like a we need to get down to business, like we need to be changing this kind of thing. But um, they are really super fun and very informative. And I just try to make them a space where we can just be connecting with other humans right now too. And, um, but most importantly ourselves and just kind of be reflecting on, on that as well. So. Awesome. That's so fun. So everybody go to sex trivia. (laughs) That's the moral of this episode. Yes. Free. It's free also. I mean, it, it's just a space that I, I feel like education is a right. So it's always going to be free. So. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Thank thank you for that. Thank mm-hmm. you for providing that. Absolutely. It's, yeah. Very, very necessary stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, for one, am super excited for all of you to join Canon for sex trivia at some point in time or at all of the points in time. And also, if you really enjoyed this conversation between Canon and I, We are going to be getting together on March 22nd. It's Monday at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on the at Dorita Self Instagram page, or you can find it through at Cosmic underscore Fluidity underscore. You can find us live on March 22nd, but we're actually going to be switching gears and we're going to be talking about the Dorita Self Apprenticeship Program. We're going to be talking about the apprenticeship program because... 
there is currently a space available and Canon is so enthusiastic about being a graduate of the program that she also wanted to speak to it and share about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you want to say anything about that right now, just to kind of get people jazzed about the conversation, but you're welcome to Canon. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I definitely, within the space of the apprenticeship, I stepped through and was witnessed stepping through many different doors, many different shadows, all of which I was still working through up until just a few months ago. And I mean, still am because we're human we're constantly <laughs> at work, but um, that, that was an essential part of my journey and an essential part of me truly activating my sense of self and my sense of power and my sense of passion. And so I am always excited to talk about it. And I am constantly in awe of the skins that I shed during that time and how I'm still reaping the benefits of that and also still shedding skins. So I am super excited to talk about this and to answer any questions or just give any insight that can bring the next apprenticeship to their rightful space with Rachel. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much, Canon. That's that's really, really appreciated. And I mean, just every time you talk about how much it has influenced your journey and having done my own apprenticeship with my mentor too, and knowing what it's meant to me. Um, it just, uh, I don't have words for how humbled or grateful I am to you for sharing all of that. So, um, just honestly, very, very grateful that, um, that you said yes, and that you stepped into the work in this capacity and that it has had the impact on you that, you continually talk about um, mm -hmm. and grateful to you for wanting to have a conversation about it live. So awesome. And Canon, where can we find you? Well, you can find me. I'm on Instagram, um, cosmic underscore fluidity. And I am also on cosmicfluidity.org, O-R-G, because I'm an organization. I'm trying to be anyways. Um, <laughs> you can find me there. Yeah. <laughs> But um, yeah, I am exclusively on those two right now. So, um, and I'm on email and my email is on there as well, but that is where you can find me in this space and time. So. And people can work with you one-on-one -on -one as well, correct? Yes, they can. And I actually offer a sliding scale um, because I, I want my services and my the space that we cultivate together to always be accessible. And so... Um, I have the sliding scale options on my website and you can choose and then we can talk and set it up. And I mean, right now, of course, Zoom is usually how things go, but yes, one-on-one -on -one, and then I'm offering workshops throughout as they, as they cultivate and create themselves. So lots of different opportunities for sure. Awesome. Well, Canon. Thank you so, so much for being here oh. and for this illuminating conversation. We might honestly have to do a round two here because this is so yeah. There are so many different other like tunnels that we can venture into. And mm -hmm. um, again, no pun intended. And um, <laughs> Always a pun intended. <laughs> okay, 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 fine. Pun intended. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Rachel, I would be absolutely honored and I was honored to be here today. And I can't thank you enough for creating this space and creating this conversation. Truly humbling. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And likewise, 
Yes. All right, my dears. Well, thank you to all of you who have tuned in from all over the world. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being yourselves. Thank you for opening up all of your boxes and just slashing all of the paradigms that <laughs> have been built around you. And um, please feel free to share this with your friends, family, loved ones, colleagues who you think will be able to um, reap the benefits of this conversation because there are just so, so many juicy parts to this that are um, really just necessary for us as human beings to delve into. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah. And lastly, this is our final episode of the very first year of the Doorway to Self podcast, which is unreal. So to kick off year two, I'm doing a special year anniversary episode on Sunday the 21st, which is also the Equinox, it was exactly a year ago on the 21st that I launched the Doorway to Self podcast, and I cannot believe that to save my life. So thank you to all of you who have kept this podcast going and growing, whether it's through sharing or donating or listening or whatever it is you've done. Thank you. Or guesting. Thank you, Canon. Um, just thank you, and I look forward to having you guys tune in this Sunday for a special episode. I'm going to leave you guys with that. Canon. thanks again for joining, and I am sending you all so, so much love. Thank you so much for tuning into the Doorway to Self podcast, for helping to spread psychic education, and for being a part of the mental health revolution. I hope you have received exactly what you needed today for your personal growth, understanding, and healing. For more information on upcoming workshops, retreats, and online events, please go to doorwaytoself.com. Thank you, and have a beautiful rest.